Brothers and sisters at United Church of Marco Island, good evening and welcome to Monday Thursday worship. Before I offer up a scripture passage and share a message and also officiate a Holy Communion, I just wanted to share with folks our plans for Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday morning, all will receive an email with my Easter message alongside some very inspiring and uplifting Easter music, and that will come out early in the morning. And then at 10 o'clock, all are invited to participate in our Zoom from the Empty Tomb initiative, and a special thank you to many who have already signed up. And if you have not yet, be sure to email the church office soon so that we can get you signed up for the event on Sunday. That name, Monday Thursday, comes from the Latin term mandatum novum, meaning the love commandment. We have been called as followers of Jesus Christ to receive Jesus's powerful love and to share that love with others. And one key way that love is made known in the Gospels is in and through the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. For it is in that display of love that we get a glimpse of God's love for each one of us. And so over the centuries, the church on Monday, Thursday has reflected on the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I will begin by reading it to you. It is in John chapter 13, and I will read verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts this evening be acceptable to you tonight and always. Amen. Some years ago at a former church, I served as a youth minister and someone, I'm not sure who, came up with the idea that we really ought to wash one another's feet on the evening of Monday, Thursday. And so we gathered together as a youth group and the middle school students began to wash one another's feet. As you might imagine, there were squeals and shrieks and a few grimaces from participants. And thankfully, we got through the entire exercise and toward the end of the exercise, I had them all reflect on what they were doing. Well, there was a young man and his name was Logan and he was in eighth grade and he pulled out of his pocket a bottle of hand sanitizer from Walgreens that his mother had stopped to purchase for him on the way to the foot washing event. He held up the bottle in his hands and suddenly every eighth grade girl wanted to be his friend. Well, I began to talk with Logan about the hand sanitizer and I asked him a little bit about foot washing and wanted him to offer up a reflection. And his reflection was simply this. He said, you know, pastor, foot washing, you can't easily sanitize it. And I sense that Logan is right. Mark Nation, who is a professor at a Mennonite seminary, a Christian tradition that practices uh, foot washing and places a lot of emphasis on foot washing, once remarked that we have numerous different symbols in Christian life that are often pretty and beautiful. Gilded Bibles, white napkins, beautiful pyramids, for example. But foot washing, said Nation, cannot easily be made pretty. The wonderful Christian author and Episcopal priest Fleming Rutledge put it another way. She said, over the centuries, we Christians have even managed to sanitize the cross, wearing it around our necks. But foot washing, said Rutledge, cannot easily be sanitized. You just can't make foot washing pretty. And when I look at this scripture passage, I see a whole lot of dirt. You can't make it pretty, but it is our initial reaction to it, is it not? To sanitize this story, clean it up a little bit, perhaps jump to some symbolic meaning first before we have to deal with all of the dirt. Interestingly enough, I would argue that's what Peter tried to do. When Jesus tried to wash Peter's feet, initially Peter wanted nothing of it and said, Lord, how can you stoop down and wash my feet? You shouldn't be washing my feet. Peter tried to sanitize it all. 
tried to make sure that Jesus would avoid the dirt that was on his feet. But Jesus would have none of it. Friends, I want you to hear the good news of Monday, Thursday, and the good news of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. The good news is that the beauty of this story is in the dirt Jesus was willing to assume to take onto his very own hands. Many years ago, a pastor at a church in Atlanta attempted something on Monday, Thursday, similar to what I attempted with the youth group. He asked his congregation to wash one another's feet, but knowing that there would be sensibilities about touching feet, he decided to modify the idea and ask them to shine their shoes instead. Well, after shining congregants' shoes and after having congregants shine one another's shoes, the comment was made, you know what, this just wasn't the same as foot washing. As one congregant put it, the issue with shining shoes is that you can get your shoes shined in the Atlanta airport. But foot washing is far dirtier, far more intimate. That's the beauty in the dirt of our scripture passage this evening. That Jesus wasn't just willing to wash the disciples' dirt off their feet by shining their shoes, but to literally wash that dirt with his very own hands. You know, it often gets said that the glory of God exists in the stars and the moons and the heavens and what is glorified and up top and big and magnificent. But the glory of God in this scripture stoops down below. The glory of God in this text is a God who is willing to humble God's self in order to quite literally assume upon his very own human hands the dirt and filth of humanity. Symbolically, what does that mean for all of us tonight who participate in Monday Thursday service? It means that as we deal with the heartache of the coronavirus, Jesus is willing to touch that heartache. As we deal with our own personal loneliness, being distanced from one another, Jesus is willing to touch that loneliness. As we deal with our anger about why this is happening, it means that Jesus is willing to touch that anger. As we deal with our impatience of when is this going to end, Jesus is willing to touch that impatience. Now before going any further, I just want to take a, a quick step back. In many ways, part of what I'm talking about this evening, of Jesus willing to touch the dirt on the disciples' feet and to touch all of that dirt in our own lives that I just mentioned, it almost sounds sacrilegious, does it not? Because from time to time, the truth be told, I am tempted to make believe that God in heaven would look around our world with the coronavirus and politics and everything that is happening in the news right now and would want to keep a safe distance from it. You know, from time to time, I would just make believe that God wouldn't want to deal with all the dirt, stay removed from it. 
You know, from time to time, I've tended to believe that God, you know, is an Atlanta airport God. Just wants to shine our shoes and keep a good distance. Or that God in all of his glory in heaven has unlimited hand sanitizer that because he's a VIP has stockpiled. And God can just call his secretary and have his secretary FedEx some hand sanitizer to each one of us. Lest God get too much in touch with God's people. You know, sometimes I'm tempted to believe that. That God wouldn't want to touch my hurt and pain and wouldn't want to touch the dirt and filth of humanity, especially in a time like now. Sometimes I'm tempted to believe that Jesus would just have walked in that room if it were today and said, you know, there were 12 disciples in here, not 10. I'm not going to get a close distance. Or you know what? I see all the dirt and filth on Peter's feet, and I know what he's about ready to do in denying me. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep six feet from Peter. You know, sometimes that is the God that I imagine, especially in this filthy, dirty world that is so full of heartache, that God would just want nothing to do with the dirt of humanity. But on a night like tonight, on Monday, Thursday, I'm reminded that I worship a God so much better than that, dirtier. Centuries ago, a theologian once said that that which Christ has not assumed, he cannot redeem. Which means that if there is any emotion in all of humanity, any dirt that any one of us has on our feet or in our hearts or in our lives, that Jesus is unwilling to assume, then he cannot redeem it. And the great news of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is that he was quite literally willing to assume that dirt upon his hands. All of it. The loneliness, Jesus got that dirt. The heartache, Jesus got that dirt. Disease, Jesus took that on. Hurt, Jesus took that on. Pain, Jesus took that on. Suffering, Jesus assumed it. You know, tonight on Monday, Thursday, we are allowed to say that Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enters into the deepest, darkest, dirtiest, scariest corner of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City, where the coronavirus is prevalent and is present there with it. And why are we allowed to say that? It is because Jesus takes on the dirt and filth of humanity. Isaiah 53, 4. Jesus suffered our diseases and shares our sicknesses. If that's sacrilegious for you, or you want to clean this Monday Thursday up, then go right ahead. But frankly, I'd rather not. I'd rather believe that in this scripture passage in John's Gospel, that Jesus broke every social distancing guideline that was appropriate for that day and ours, and literally took upon himself all of the hurt, all of the filth, all of the dirt of those disciples' feet, and wanted to go and do something about it. In fact, I would argue that in a world as dirty and hurtful as ours, that precisely what we need is not a God who is removed from that dirt, but a God who has had that dirt underneath his very own fingernails. That is the God of Jesus Christ. That is the God of Monday Thursday. We have a God who is so beautiful 
precisely because of the dirt that God was willing to assume, that God was willing to take on into God's very own hands. And tonight, God in Jesus Christ will take that dirt, that filth, that disease, that heartache, that sin, that pain, that suffering from humanity, and Jesus will walk that dirt with his hands onto that cross. For that which he has not assumed, he cannot redeem. And in walking that dirt to the cross, he will, on Sunday, redeem all of it, bringing forth hope, life, and eternity. As we walk with Jesus to the cross and beyond over the next few days, we put our trust in Jesus, the one whose hands got dirty for humanity's sake. For Jesus will on Sunday take what is so dirty, will have his hands nailed to the cross, and will redeem all of it. I mean, how dirty and yet how beautiful. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, on this Monday, Thursday, we have uh, heard once more the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, assuming the dirt on his hands of humanity. And boy, do we ever need it this year, on this Monday, Thursday, in 2020. We need you, O oh God. We turn to you precisely because you know what it's like to have our dirt on your hands. You get our dirt. And so it is that you can get us out of this, that you can help us, that you can reassure us, and that you can deliver us on earth and through to heaven forevermore. Amen. At this time, I would invite all who have communion uh, elements prepared at their own home to please make them available to yourself. And as you do, I thought I would begin my prayer for communion by sharing a short story. When I was in graduate school at uh, Duke, I remember my professor of uh, Christianity, which uh, historical Christianity, which ranged essentially from the 1400s uh, through to about the 1900s, the stories of Martin Luther and the Catholic Church. Uh, his name was David Steinmetz. And uh, Steinmetz, for a couple of weeks, lectured on uh, Holy Communion and the great debates about Holy Communion that existed some 500 years ago between the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church and various different traditions and how they viewed and saw Holy Communion. And in one of his lectures, at the end of the lecture, after piecing together all of the theologies of Holy Communion based on various different Christian denominations, he did share back with the class this comment. He said, you know, one more thing. Holy Communion is above all else a holy mystery. Steinmetz, in my opinion, was right. 
There is something mysterious about this sacrament that transcends the boundaries of any kind of ration as we remember who Christ was and what Christ did for all of us. And so tonight, in breaking bread with you online, virtually, I do so in a way that is unusual for you and unusual for me. But these unusual times, in my opinion, call for an unusual and creative approach. So may the mystery that is this sacrament bring us together as a united church as we remember Christ our Lord and Savior. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, broke it, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Every time you do so, do it in remembrance of me. And on that same night after the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, Poured out into this cup is the blood of my new covenant. It's been poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. Every time you drink of this, do so in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Mysterious God, in and through the power of this table, you have imparted strength and peace to your people throughout history. And so it is tonight, O oh God, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, I would ask that you would do the same for all of us. For as we find ourselves scattered in Marco and in Naples and in the Northeast and in the Midwest, we do so remembering that mysteriously, magnificently, and powerfully, you can unite us as one body, even if we are physically separated. For you are a God whose glory knows no ends and whose mercy and eternal kingdom are truly endless. Amen. At this time, I would invite you to take your bread, and as you eat of this bread, I would ask that you would remember Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as the one who provides the bread of heaven for you to make it through this. But I would also ask that you would remember those brothers and sisters at United Church who give you strength and peace. Remember those people who share your pew and who share in your life. Do this in remembrance of me. And at this time, I would invite you to take your cup and that you would drink of it 
And as you do, I pray that you would remember Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he offers for your sin. But I would also ask that you would remember brothers and sisters in Christ, either from your church or at work or in your neighborhood or in your condominium or friends that you have who are distant from you now who may be in need. And I pray that as you would receive this cup, that you would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, connect your heart with theirs. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your love for us. Not just any old version of love that keeps a safe distance, but love that invades our hearts, love that is intimate, close up, and personal. Because you, O oh God, in the person of Jesus, were so willing to get dirty on that night so many years ago when you washed the disciples' feet. You, O oh God, are uniquely positioned to help us in all of our dirt, all of our hurt, heartache, and pain. We ask that you would help each one of us and that you would help this, your church, press on toward the heavenly prize that is Christ Jesus. And finally, O oh God, we would ask that in and through this sacrament, that you will have brought us together in a powerful new way. That having remembered our brothers and sisters in Christ in this church and beyond, that we would have renewed appreciation and value for all of them and for the ways they make your love known to us. All of this I pray in the name of Christ Jesus, who walks to the cross tomorrow and who will indeed do something amazing in and through your power on Sunday. Amen. And United Church of Marco Island, all over this nation, separated and distant, May you go in peace, but may you also go as a united church. Amen.